How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. My guest today says the stats do not lie. Financial well-being is important for employees and employers. Joining me on today's show to speak more about this is Catherine Dixon. Catherine is a relationship manager within the employee solutions team at Insignia Financial, which is formerly IOOF. Catherine works with employers to help them implement and deliver employee benefits to their staff. Now, those benefits include financial education and support, which is designed to help develop and enhance their financial well-being, as well as insurance and superannuation services. Now, specifically on today's show, Catherine's going to share some facts and figures with us to illustrate why employees or employers should consider implementing a financial wellbeing program. She's going to talk about some strategies to help build financial wellbeing, as well as the benefits for employer and employee when it comes to investing in a financial wellbeing program. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Hey, thank you, and um, good to be here with you today, Anne-Marie. Yes, financial wellbeing. We're hearing so much about it uh, in the current environment, and I think um, every day you hear um, people talking about their financial stress, um, employers concerned about the financial wellbeing of their staff. In fact, over the last um, month or so, our team's been at um, three HR conferences, and with I think with all of the employers that I was speaking with or the HR representatives of those employers, they were really concerned about the situation uh, that many of their people were in at the moment. And they were looking for ways in which they could uh, help them and support them and assist them. Now, there comes a bit of a conundrum there because, you know, you might argue, hey, I just need a you know, $5,000 pay increase or a $10,000 pay increase. But that's not something that's really sustainable for an employer to, to consider. So that's where um, financial wellbeing programs being implemented as part of a, a wider uh, wellbeing program come into play. They're far more cost effective. And importantly, they're actually making uh, a difference in the lives of, of employees by providing them with education tools and the ability to know when they need to seek help from a, a professional. So, um, yeah, that's where, we, where we're coming in um, and really talking about financial wellbeing. Yeah, fantastic, Catherine. One of the things that we hear repeatedly, and I'm sure you do too, is the lack of knowledge 
and awareness. So it's good to hear you say that one of the areas that you really believe and, and therefore encourage employers to do is around the education because when we have the right education, we're able to, and of course the employees are able to make better decisions. Uh, Absolutely. And I think I'd like to talk about that um, with you just, just shortly, but I think before I do, I've, I've got in front of me some facts and figures that I'd like to sort of throw out at you. Okay. And, and they really give a, a good um, indication of, you know, why it is important for employers to, to look and what are some of the issues that are facing employers at the moment? Um, so forgive me if I look at a piece of paper because uh, there are quite a few figures. So at the moment, we've got employers are really struggling to, to hire and retain top talent. So um, there have been a, a number of surveys. Some of the research we've done has, has shown that surveys taken place throughout the world have shown that um, a majority of CEOs rank labour and skills shortages as being their number one concern in the year ahead. 41 or more than 40% of um, workers in the 2021 so were thinking about leaving their job, so middle of COVID type time. Now, it was even worse in Australia, 64% of workers in Australia were looking to move into a new job in 2022. So people are looking for things that are different. You know, the whole pandemic um, has caused people to really stop and think and reflect what's important to them and what's important to them in their day-to-day -day life. And, and it may not be going, in many cases it, it is not, going to the office five days a week. They're looking for a balance. So employers are really having to up their game in terms of, you know, what's their point of difference? How can they attract and retain good staff? So we've had, we, we see employees are less, less engaged with their working career. We've seen that increase in hybrid and flexible working. And we've got this demand for talent in particular sectors appearing, particularly tech. But, you know, things that's really uh, a little bit scary and this came out in a um, MetLife study conducted um, across just over a thousand employees in Australia uh, last year that 44% of employees felt mentally checked out of their jobs. Now that's a huge number that are just not checking in every day and it's contributing immensely to you know absenteeism, presenteeism, all of those things. In Australia, that cost just on $66.8 billion in 2022. Now, that's an annual figure. Now, that's an estimate, and that's based on about 12 days being taken in sick leave and things like that, um, times the average income. But, incredible. yeah, yeah. It's I mean, obviously, um, it... it the, the, the survey was done across a number of different industries. You mentioned tech particularly was struggling to, to find that, that talent. Are there other surprises, if you've got that information available, as to certain industries that were showing a real um, lack of engagement or was it across the board? It's really across the board. So in terms of, you know, that demand for talent I'm referring to is, is the tech and digital space. Um, and that's what's causing some of the issues for employers. But, you know, we're seeing at the moment a really tight employment market and it's sort of sitting at that 3.5% and, and it has been for a period of time. We've yes. got these people that are thinking we're going to move on. Um, we know that employees, and, and again, this comes from a, a study, um, again, that Australian study I just referred to, 
they take fewer sick days if they have a better workplace or sense of belonging. So again, it's what can an employer do to help them belong? And then the other one that's a bit of a worry is that um, within that same survey but of employers this time, um, one in three of them had less than 60% um, retention rate. So their turnover was pretty um, horrific. So it all comes back to, you know, what is the point of difference? It's, it's making your people feel that they belong. And so we believe that one of those things is, is helping them with their financial well-being. Um, you might ask, you know, what, what do you term financial well-being as? We're not saying it's having a million dollars in the bank or even, you know, anything like that. What we're saying is it's, it's all about being in control of your um, finances and, and having a sense of security that you actually can meet your financial needs every day. It's an underlying foundation of um, overall health and well-being. Yes. Wow. Amazing. And yes, you only have to um, check the pulse, if you will, through what's being spoken about across, you know, all different platforms and in the conversations when you're networking. That is a topic of discussion, isn't it? It's around security um, and uh, that is something that that is certainly hot discussions. When you're talking about um, the financial wellbeing programs, particularly when the, the solid ones are put together, you say it really can be a point of difference. When you think about, um, and I, I'm sure you're going to talk about this in, in further detail, um, you've got to look at your workforce then and then kind of decide, well, what can be included to ensure, because if you ha- if you have a number of people in the workforce, one thing may be a real benefit to another. So when you're looking at the different aspects of what can we put together in, in this, this wellbeing program, I- I'm imagining that um, different surveys and so forth Kind of took the took a, um, the finger on the pulse, as you will, as to what people wanted or or what would really be. Hey, this is going to be a real point of difference. Were you able to? to yeah, to- I, I think what I would say is, and it comes back to where I was uh, indicated. I was going to talk about what we think is important for our employees in general to yes. to be able to to change their skills or, or develop their skills, and that is in the sense of. Um, identifying and putting into place a program that allows individuals to be intentional and be informed and and be proactive about what they're doing. So maybe I'll go into the three of those individually and then perhaps I can talk about what we can offer as a financial wellbeing program if if you're happy with me doing that. So what we believe that is that employers need or employees need to learn or, or become skilled to become intentional so that means you know being conscious and, and aware of their financial um, habits and their financial behaviors now that means being quite deliberate in what they do so instead of just accepting uh, and being passive and what will be will be it's actually moving into a conscious aware and intentional mindset so taking actions and making decisions for yourself. Um, we, we recommend that they, you know, review the current state. They look at where they are today. They look and understand their mind or learn to understand their mindsets and their biases and understand the values, or, or maybe they even need to learn to develop values so that they can put in place measures to enable them to reach their goals. 
And sometimes we just need to throw out the baby with the bathwater and start again as an individual and go, okay, now I've learned these skills. Let's put in habit some new healthier behaviours and, and patterns so that we can actually reach our, reach our goals. And that sounds good. And it is, it's, you've got to be intentional in what you're doing, but you've also got to become informed. And um, it's really important that we grow that financial literacy for um, all Australians. So one of the um, studies I saw recently said that 77% of Australians have um, regard, regrets in regard to their finances. And they believe that that could have been avoided with access to better education. So, you know, the first couple of things are, you know, they haven't been great with budgeting, they haven't been great with, with saving and that sort of thing. But the fourth one on that list is that they hadn't educated themselves wow. in order to, to manage their own affairs. Another thing that's really important when you're looking at a financial wellbeing program is that it's accessible and easy for people to, um, to both access and comprehend and go back to. They're, they're not one-off things. So um, a study in the US found that, um, you know, nearly 70% of employees said that the programs that were being made available to them were just too technical, too yes. full of jargon, too cumbersome, too hard. So it's important to get some, you know, we move into the digital age, um, that we have short, snappy um ways of delivering information and skills and in multi um multi forms so some might be visual some might be spoken some might be some tools that we make available to you yeah. and then that we we work at um not only building skills to deal with finances but just learning to disprove some of those misconceptions that are out there yeah. and then the third part of any good financial well-being program is that um, you will you put in place um, some steps so that people can manage and maintain their financial goals. So put in place some systems, some set and forget systems, some really easy things. Now, it might be an app. It might be something as simple as a notebook that you write down when you go and have a coffee. So you're starting to become aware of what you're spending, when you're spending, and how you're spending it. Um, put in place some good habits to reach those goals. So again, coming back and understanding or crafting your underlying financial values will help an individual put in place some financial goals. And then there will always be a need for um, some additional help of some sort. It might be being able to access a calculator online. It might be knowing where to find the right website that gives you some information. It might be having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with somebody um, just to get some general information or maybe identify that you need some help and, and need personalised financial advice. So yeah. there's lots of things in there. So as you can see, it, it varies. So it goes back to that that comment you made. How is it one size fits all? That's no. right. It's not, is it? But it's, I love the way that you've outlined some really good strategic steps that people can take, organisations can take to ensure that what they're offering is there's no barrier to entry to access um, the content as well as even the mindset around it. Because let's face it, I think I'm, I'm sure that the area of finance, which is why you're talking about this, is one that often confuses people and often has a lot of jargon within that. And so if the programs itself is also um, 
with a lot of jargon, then people are automatically going to switch off. Look, this is just too hard. And I love the way that you've also said about, and this is a reminder for all businesses who are educating the shorter, snappier, you know, videos. If it yeah. if it takes too long, you know, longer than say ninety seconds, especially if it's a technical thing. Um, you're talk, talking too long, you know, and so all of these things need to be put into consideration. And I think when blended nicely, um, can deliver a really good solid program for. Yeah, and and as as I said, you know, there are different programs out there. So when an employer is looking for a program, they need to engage with a, a credible provider who yes. can deliver all of the different things that they might need um, in a program. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, investing in a financial wellbeing program is a really good, it provides a win-win for employees and employers. So for employees, you're removing that financial stress that may be leading to them, you know, being checked out of, of their day job. You're improving their financial outcomes and, and their sense of security. You're obviously improving their financial skills and knowledge. They'll be more engaged in their work. They'll be more mm-hmm. productive at work. And, and they will have also gained that uh, knowledge of when they need to perhaps seek advice. Now, the yeah. other side of that, of course, is the employer. And so for an employer, you know, their key outcomes are increased loyalty, retention, easier to attract talent. Um, they've got that increased productivity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the survey, um, an Australian survey said that of those financially healthy employees, 88% of them were more likely to be productive. more likely to be um, satisfied in their current job and 87% more likely to be engaged. So that's a huge win and a huge reason for an employer to consider whether a financial wellbeing program as part of a broader uh, wellbeing program is in their employee benefits is something that they should consider. Yeah. This, the studies certainly validate the importance of that. Uh, and I know that you mentioned uh, one of the areas that someone may like to include in a program are the misconceptions. Let's talk about what are some of the misconceptions because let's talk about them so that they no longer are something that may be keeping businesses from saying, you know what, we really need to, to reach out to Catherine and talk about um, how we could incorporate this. What are some of the things that you've seen businesses do, employees do, that prevents them, that stops them, a reason, a misconception that you'd like to look, look, this is no longer an issue are there some common things that come up that you Yeah, hear? look, I, I think one of the big ones is, you know, we have a lot to not thank COVID for, but we do have some things to thank COVID for. And one of them is that it has made um, financial wellbeing programs or indeed a lot of wellbeing programs more scalable and much easier to deliver as people have become more used to, to working with, uh, you know, digital technology. Uh, and so I think that has reduced the cost of delivering wellbeing programs. It allows them to be um, held and retained by, by a, a business. Um, it allows you to come back and revisit as you've got new employees coming on board. It, that's just a huge part. So I think one part for me is, is very much the cost of a financial wellbeing program is not as high as, as people or businesses might think. Yeah. It certainly is um, more cost effective than, say, you know, a thousand dollar pay increase for, you know, a hundred employees or something like that, or ten employees. You're actually, as an employer, then committed to that. You can't take that payment off them, 
um, and by the time tax comes into consideration, they really haven't necessarily gained a whole lot. Whereas putting a program in place which is enabling the development of skills and strategy helps you as an employer and helps your employees and helps increase that sense of belonging and reduces that financial stress that they're under. Yeah, and the figures speak for themselves, don't they? Um, well, yeah, I've, they, they, they absolutely do. Yes. Uh, so where we see, um, you know, employers are, are looking at um, programs like this because they want to become an employer of choice in some cases. Others are saying, I'm really worried about a particular cohort within my um, business, um, really worried um for example, we might have a cohort that uh, is wanting to get into the property market, but they see no, no way of getting into the property market without relying on the bank of mum and dad. They've got others, cohorts, and this is quite a common situation at the moment, where the individuals are retiring at work. Now, the reason they're retiring at work is they, um, and they're, they're sort of checking out, is they're scared to retire because they don't know what retirement will look like because of the financial situational pressures that, that we're currently facing. Yeah. So you've got, you know, silent resignations, staying at work, you've got all of these things happening at, at play at the moment. So it's an opportunity to, to provide something to the workplace yes. that's a win-win for both parties. Yeah, certainly sounds like it. I'd love for you to give um, an opportunity or I'd love to give you an opportunity to share a little bit more about uh, your business and how you can support people because I'm sure another misconception may be, Catherine, we don't have another uh, more time to, to to develop this this thing. I'm sure that organisations such as yourself are there to minimise that burden as, as well. So share a little bit more yeah. about how you come alongside an organisation. Yeah, certainly. So um, we we have a um, employer financial wellbeing offer. So it's bespoke to most to each organisation because each organisation is different. Each employer has a different motivation and a different budget for what they can put into a program at a given point in time. And by motivation, I, I go back to that comment I just made, you know, there might be a concern about a particular aspect of a, a, a workplace, a particular cohort that ha has concerns. So um, our program starts and ends with a survey. So there's a pre-survey um, and it's really establishing what the what the temperature in the workplace is at the moment, where the pain points are, any particular areas of extra special interest that that workplace might have that we might need to build into a program. Um, we then obviously at the end end up with a post survey to ensure that we've moved through the process and, and see what the outcomes of the program have been so that the organisation can measure the ROI. Along the way, the journey, you work with a relationship manager like me because we're working with other employers. So we know some of the um, some of the issues that can sometimes arise in terms of communicating a program and we can help the employer with the communication process. One of the things I'd say is that the most successful programs are where the HR team is, is really heavily involved. And so the employer and the benefits are being delivered together. They're working together um, to promote this. In addition, um, we offer a, a series of six webinars. Now, they're really quite interactive. They can be quite interactive webinars. They're not full of technical stuff. They're about 25, 30 minutes long. And they're really 
getting people to think, to explore some of those values or misconceptions they've got on their mind about what money means to them. And it's you know some some core principles such as tips and tips and traps for managing your debt, budgeting, um, all of those sorts of things. Always there's a bit of superannuation involved there, but more understanding how you might track your super and get to your retirement spending, investment, and so forth. We can bring in debt uh, if that's needed. If you've got a cohort that's really concerned about how they get themselves in, in the position to qualify for a home loan, there's no point in finding the house that you want to buy and falling in love with it and then realising that you're not going to be regarded as um, a good risk by a bank to borrow money from. So get yourself home loan smart. We then have uh, some digital content and assets that we make available to put on a, a website. And that goes through a number of journeys. Uh, and again, an individual can pop in and out on that journey. Uh, so you referred earlier to those short snippets and these videos are the 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, just explaining a particular co uh, concept. You've got access to our financial coaches, so real people in Australia um, for one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversations, it's general advice. So that can help an individual um, identify situations that they might need some assistance with or, or get some general information. And then um, access to our wealth report. Now, our, our wealth report is something that our business owns, and it's an online tool, um, an interactive journey, really, uh, that an individual can, can go on. It's general information, general advice. And at the end of it, they'll get a report that is specific to them. And they can use that to, to go on to the next step of their journey of learning. Mm -hmm. So as you can see, lots of different things that we can bring in. Uh, and access to lots of different specialists. Yeah, fantastic, which is, I'm glad you shared that, uh, Catherine, because as we were talking or you, you were sharing some of the things that could be incorporated, I'm sure employers who are listening who may not realise that a lot of this is available, has been created already, there's no need to go out with in, invest in camera equipment and all of the technologies and stuff like that. Um, that's certainly something that uh, you and your team um, have available and I'm sure is is available for them. So if people would like to find out more, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Well, you're more than happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. So Catherine, Dix, uh, yeah, Catherine Dixon. Um, the other one is uh, just email me at solutions at IOOF, so IOOF.com.au, uh, and happy to, to talk with you there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And one of the other things that we have also done, if you are on uh, the website, on Business Women Australia website and listening to uh, this episode, go to the show notes because we will link a document, a flyer, which provides a little bit more information um, that you can take as a good first step as well. And then, of course, connect with Catherine on either of uh, those platforms or email. Thanks once again for coming okay. on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. See you. Have a good day. You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.